Sir, episode 35. Making progress with these episodes. Yeah, damn. 35. Only a matter of time before you reach 50, then 100, then who knows. But how you guys doing? Doing good. Dory, how are you doing? I'm doing exceptional. I saw the Broncos preseason game yesterday. Drew Locke looking like a Hall of Fame quarterback, <laughs> but um, it's a good day. It's a good day. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. But that being said, um, we'll we'll start with this news, I guess, because the uh, Dallas Mavericks secured their superstar Luka Doncic, as the two parties agreed to a five-year. $207 million contract extension, which is set to begin during the 2022-2023 NBA season. This extension is the largest rookie contract extension in NBA history because of the, I guess, accolades that Doncic accumulated in the first couple of years in the league. He's been voted to the all NBA first team twice already in his career. So, you know, he, he's reached that threshold of superstardom already and it paid off with again, the largest rookie contract extension ever. But that being said, I mentioned that this contract starts in 2020, 2022, 2023. And then it, the last season is the 2026, 2027 season. I guess you can include next year, but at the same time, I doubt the Mavericks are going to be championship contenders, barring any huge trades. This, you know, before the season starts, do you guys think that Luca can win a championship with the Mavericks during this contract, or no? Yes, sir, I do indeed. Um, I'm a little skeptical, though. I'm a little skeptical. The only reason I believe that they will is because of Luka Doncic and how great of a player he is. But on the other hand, there's the whole front office and bringing in free agents. And I love Mark Cuban, but he might be a little overrated, if you ask me. All through Dirk's career, who has that guy brought in? Who did that guy ever bring in as a free agent? traded for Jason Kidd. I don't know what happened with Nash. I don't I don't I, I can't remember if it was a, a sign or a trade. But they traded for Jason Kidd. Other than that, who did Dirk have? I who mean, no, nah, that's I mean, that's a little unfair. They had Jay Kidd, uh Jason Terry, Sean Marion. Like they had okay, a good okay, yeah. team. They had a good okay, team. Okay, yeah. No, they had they had guys on the team, you know who did their job and were good role players. But, like, what kind of stars has that guy brought in to Dallas? Ain't nothing. Nobody. So, although he can't really control that, I feel like a lot of players are going to want to be on the Luka Doncic train 
in a couple in a couple years. So, you know, in that aspect, I think they no problem can win a championship. But you know, Mark Cuban, what are you doing? <laughs> I I agree. I I definitely think that the Mavericks can win a championship. Um, in my opinion, Luka Doncic, as of as of this point right now, is probably the most guaranteed young player to have success in the future. I mean, he's only 22. As Jory said, he's already been in the in an all NBA team twice. Uh, even has been in runnings for MVP conversations these past couple of seasons. So, and I I definitely think there is more upside to his game. He can get better, which is kind of crazy to say. Um, but at the end of this contract, he's going to be like 27, 28 years old in the prime of his career, presumably. Um, and similar to what Justin said, I think that, I think that like Giannis, he just needs one other all-star caliber player like a Chris Middleton, maybe not the same player type, but um, just another all-star caliber player to, you know, match up next to him. I think he can definitely do it. And um, I, I sort of disagree with Justin um, in terms of like them trying to pair players with Dirk. I mean, maybe, maybe they didn't have the best players around him during Dirk's prime, but I feel like in today's NBA, like any player can really go anywhere at any given moment. And even, a even securing them with a long-term, like a five-year contract, that doesn't guarantee that they're going to stay that whole five years. So of course, anything is possible, but I think out of, you know, most of the young players in the league, within the next five years, I think he probably has the best shot to win a title. And by young players, I mean, probably like players 24, 25 and younger. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't have like any qualms, I guess, any doubts about Luca and his ability to, to, to lead the Mavericks to the playoffs every year, but I just don't know how far they can get in the playoffs, in particular the Western Conference, without a reliable second option. You know, they had the cap space to go out and get a star. I mean, obviously this year's free agency class wasn't great, but they had the cap space essentially to go and get a star player. And they came away with Tim Hardaway Jr., who they re-signed, as well as Boban Marjanovic. And then they got Reggie Bullock and Sterling Brown. So, I mean, like you said, Justin, not a very good uh, job by the front office, you know, surrounding Luca with much talent. But, you know, that being said, I, f- I wonder, like, I, w- I want to know what you guys think about this. This is something I'm thinking about because we always compare, like, teams to past teams, like how teams used to be. Like, for example, we're talking about the Mavericks. Like, they were obviously the most successful in their franchise when they had Dirk. But, like, it was Dirk, and then when they won a championship, it was essentially just a, a bunch of overqualified role players like Jason Terry and Sean Marion and Tyson Chandler and Karan Butler. Like, do you think a franchise sees that and they're like, 
this is the best way to win because this is what we did in the past. Like we don't need multiple superstars. We just need a generational superstar. And then, or do you like, cause there's other teams that are same way. Like, I feel like a team like the Warriors who were really good in like the nineties were a very, you know, offense guard oriented team. And then they became good again when they got to generational guard talents or like, I'm trying to think of another team. It's like you all, I feel like franchises like see success one way and then they try and emulate it again and again and again. I don't know. Maybe that's like what the Mavericks are trying to do, but I don't know if it's the best idea, especially in today's NBA. What do you think? I don't know. I, I don't, I feel like the Mavericks, unlike teams like maybe like the Heat who sort of have kept their front office the same since the LeBron days and even before that. I feel like, I mean, they just resigned or they just, excuse me, they just signed um, uh, Nico Harrison as their new GM. And they just got Jason Kidd after having, um, uh, what's his face for so many Carlisle. years? Yeah, Carlisle. Carlisle. So, so I feel like, I mean, although it was like 10 years ago, I, I think the NBA is pretty different in the way that free agency is held. Um, obviously this year we've seen like so many new players go to different teams. Um, and I think that's a trend that's going to continue in the future. So I would not be surprised if the Mavericks, instead of, you know, going to their, uh, old ways, getting role players and, and whatnot, um, if they were to just, you know, cash out and try to get like a all-star caliber player, because I think nowadays um, that's probably your best chance at winning a championship. Yeah, I've been saying it all year. I'm pretty sure we've all been saying it all year. You need at least two all-star level players who can to to even be a contender. You can't. You can't get by like how you, how they how you used to back in the day. Have the one guy and then the role players. You can't do it anymore. You need two players who score on all levels, get their own shot, all that type of stuff. Um, I think that's going to be the way that the Mavericks have to go. I don't know. At the moment, I don't think Luca can do it by himself. Yeah, I mean. Who do you guys think would be an ideal second player though next to, to Doncic? Because like, I mean, last last summer before Giannis signed his extension with the Bucks, I thought Giannis going to the Mavericks would destroy the league because him and Luca would literally be the most ridiculous pairing in the NBA. But I feel like a player like Ben Simmons maybe, or like Pascal Siakam, could potentially like. I think Pascal Siakam more than Ben Simmons because I feel like the Raptors are like weirdly in a rebuild. Like they don't feel like they're in a rebuild, but they kind of are because they, they just got rid of Kyle Lowry. They just had, you know, a top four draft pick and they spent it on Scotty Barnes. Like I feel like Pascal Siakam might be expendable and a player like him might fit better. Uh, next to Luca, than someone like Chris Naps, who is seven foot three, but takes more threes per game than he gets rebounds. 
<laughs> like, <laughs> like, I just feel like, I don't know. I, I think Dallas just needs someone who doesn't necessarily need to be the focal point of an offense in order to be an effective player. And we already seen Pascal do that when he played with Kawhi and they literally won a championship. So like, I don't know. I feel like he could potentially work in Dallas. That's just like one player I, I came to mind. I don't know. I was going to say the opposite, Jory. I was going to say they need to get somebody else who can be the number one scorer. And really? as hard as it, as unreasonable as it sounds, that guy Bradley Beal has been in the trade, trade rumor mill all season. If they could get Bradley Beal over there in Dallas, baby, I think with the right, you know, last couple pieces to, you know, the main six, seven guys will be playing. That's a championship team right there, baby. That I duo. Agree. I that agree. Duo. But Jory might be onto something. I mean, Pascal Siakam, I think I was just saying it with you, Toby, the other day. That guy might be a one season wonder. That guy did one, had one nice season when he stole most improved from D'Angelo and then hasn't <laughs> done anything else since. But, you know, that could have just been, you know, he's the number one guy on the team now. Maybe he's not that guy. You know, maybe he needs, maybe the second option is his role. I mean, I just, I feel like getting another score first oriented player like Bradley Beal would kind of be like counterproductive when you have someone like Luca, like, that's the guy I want with the ball in my hand, in his hands, the majority of the game because he's so good. Like the thing with finding a player who could potentially do, like who legitimately is going to be like outplaying Luca as like a primary ball handler. Like there's literally like LeBron, KD, and like James Harden probably. <laughs> That's it. Like I can't literally, there's like literally no one else that I would probably rather have with the ball in their hands and like Luka Doncic at this yeah. point. So it's like hard to even find a player, let alone like one that fits next to Luka. So I feel like you kind of need someone like that doesn't have to have the ball in his hands all the time to be effective. Yeah, that might be, that might be facts. That might be facts. Cause I mean, look at like Trey Young. I mean, a lot of people didn't think the Hawks were going to be good until they kind of just surrounded him with better talent that could play off of Trey Young. They didn't they, like they didn't take the ball out of Trey Young's hand. He just got better teammates, and they made they nearly freaking went to the NBA Finals in like their first postseason yeah. run. So, I feel like if Luca can get some more help, that would certainly make the Mavericks. That would raise their ceiling quite a bit. But it's only a matter of time to see. I think Luca's. I'm I'm rooting for Luca. I, I like him. I hope that he's a good career. Yeah, I mean, I think like at this point, I'm positive he's gonna have a a crazy career. It's just a matter of like if he's gonna be one of those t generational talents, or if he's just gonna be like, you know, a great player. But I mean, I guess we'll see. I mean, we talk so much about Giannis being on like a superstar generational trajectory because of his resume. I mean, Luca, like I mentioned, already has two all NBA first team appearances and he's 22 years old. Like, 
twice he's been considered a top five player in the NBA and he's 22. Like that's freaking ridiculous. But I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I don't think this is going to be their year. Uh, unless Chris Stapps Porzingis like somehow becomes an, a super effective player again, but I don't see that happening. I want him to be. I want to see that guy be great. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. Yeah, I'm certainly not rooting against it. I just don't think it'll. I just don't think it'll happen. I just don't see it. But now we can move over to the team that actually ousted the Mavericks in this year's playoffs, that being the Los Angeles Clippers, and they also extended one of their franchise players, that being Kawhi Leonard, as he agreed to stay in his hometown on a four-year, $176.3 million contract extension. Um, and also, we actually got some pretty big news about 10 minutes before we started or probably like 20 minutes before we started recording the Los Angeles Clippers have agreed to acquire Eric Bledsoe in a trade with the Memphis Grizzlies um, in a package that will send Patrick Beverly, Rajon Rondo and Daniel Oturu to the Memphis Grizzlies. So a lot to unpack here, but I guess we can, we'll start with the, uh, the Kawhi news, I guess. So Kawhi and Paul George are both signed through the 2023-24 season. So they have some time. They obviously are probably not going to have Kawhi Leonard this season because of his ACL injury. But do you guys think the Clippers can win a championship with these two, you know, incumbent superstars, that being PG and Kawhi? Or do you think they need to bring in more talent? I mean, they obviously want, are looking to bring in more talent. They traded for Eric Bledsoe, but like, is that enough? Do they need more? What do you guys think? I I do not think that they can win a championship uh, within these next four seasons. I think mm-hmm. it's very possible. It's very it's very possible, but um, just the way that I analyze it. So Kawhi is going to be out next season, at least for most of the season. Maybe maybe if they make the playoffs, he can come back. Um, but so next year, I don't think that they have a chance the year after that. I mean, it's just going to be super tough. These players aren't, aren't getting any, any younger. I mean, I hate, I always bring age up when we're talking about players, but I mean, injuries are, are a real thing. And I feel like just like just those two, they're both going to have to stay healthy the entire season if they want a, a chance to win. Um, and they might need to bring in some more some more talent to L.A. I don't think that – no offense to Bledsoe, but I don't think he's going to be, like, the missing piece that they need, especially with getting rid of uh, Beverly and Rondo, who I think are still effective. Um, and, yeah, I just – I think the West with the Warriors coming back, obviously the Lakers are still going to be there um, whenever they have LeBron, AD, and Russell Westbrook. Um, And like we were saying, the Mavericks in two to three years, they could be up there. So I feel like it's going to be very difficult. Um, Everything would have to align perfectly for them to 
win a championship. So although it is possible, I, I do not think that they will. You know, Toby, you're so negative sometimes. Not really. Not no, really. I'm just playing. But I, I think that they can because, you know, unless the Mavericks go nuts, you know, unless they sign Bradley Beal or Pascal Siakam, um, the West, in my opinion, is going to be wide open. You know, the Lakers, they're going to fall off once LeBron, once this contract retires or once his contract expires. Um, you know, the Suns and the Jazz, they're beatable. The Warriors, they're, you know, they're going to be nice, but they're getting old. You know, Curry's about to be probably like 33, I think. Same with, same with Clay. I think that, you know, especially Kawhi stays healthy. He's going to be a top three player in the playoffs. We saw what he was doing against the Mavericks this year before he got injured. He was averaging like 35 a game, I think. You know, if they both stay healthy, I th- I think this is a championship team. Eric Bledsoe, I think, should be a bench piece. He should be coming off the bench and let my man Terrence Mann, Terrence Mann run the offense. But, um, yeah, I think they can do it. I, I'm a little more optimistic than Toby. But I think they can do it. You know, Kawhi, top three player in the playoffs. Can't go wrong. But – so you mentioned those few teams. There's one team you did leave out before I let Jory go. And that what about the Denver Nuggets? Yes, sir. Young team with a with a guy that yes, just won MVP. You don't think that they can make it? I mean, think um, about how young they are. You know, that's you know, that's facts, Toby, because I don't think that the Clippers will do it this year, obviously, because they don't have Kawhi. And the Nuggets won't do it this year because they don't have Jamal. But once both teams are fully healthy, you know, they might be running the West. Yeah, it's this is a tough situation for the Clippers. Assuming they don't win the championship this year, obviously, I, I think we can all assume that. I doubt they're going to really do much without Kawhi. I feel like next year, the 2022-23 season is is going to be like their window to really win it all because that's the last year LeBron is uh, in has a has a contract with the Lakers. That's his final season before he becomes an unrestricted free agent again. But like, if the Lakers are going all in on this year, which seems like the case, you know, they brought in all of those veterans on like one year deals to to win at least probably one more ring. That's probably like the last. We'll see of the Lakers after this season, because if they don't win it this year, I don't think they're going to win it all uh, again with LeBron at least. So I think next year is really the the chance that the Clippers will have. But I don't know. I think they have the talent. I mean, they almost made it to the finals without Kawhi. You have to remember that. So you have to imagine, you know, implement or you know, plugging Kawhi back into that lineup. What you know difference he would have made in a series against the Suns it's, it's it's tough to say but you have to imagine it would have been a different series and then you know trading for Eric Bledsoe just now is interesting that's where he was drafted uh, I believe back in 2010 yeah. I think so you know going home he never really made a mark in his first couple of seasons with the Clippers like he didn't really blow up until he went to the Suns but 
it'll be interesting to see what kind of impact he'll be able to make for Los Angeles. I feel like this is just the, you know, whatever season. I think this should be a season to kind of develop some of their younger players, like you mentioned, Justin, Terrence Mann. Um, you know, see what he can become in year two. Um, or year three, is it? I don't remember. He's, I think it's either year two or three for him. Yeah, I can't remember. Um, and then there are two draft picks. Well, they, I, well, they have Keon Johnson, I know. Um, he also drafted Jason Preston. So it's like they have they have quite a bit of young talent. I would like to see them try and develop, or maybe they decide to move them in a trade for a more experienced player. But it's going to be tough to do that because they don't have any picks to trade until 2027 because of the Paul George trade. Yeah, so it's going to be very tough to to try and move anyone without a pick. But, you know, fully healthy, this is one of the most talented teams in the league. I think they'll be able to compete with anyone. Um, but I don't know. I feel like next year is really their last opportunity to win it all. It's really you a know, I forgot. I forgot they re-signed um, Reggie Jackson, too. Yeah. He was solid for them in the playoffs, so we'll see yeah. if he can put it together over the course of a whole season. You know, who season. knows? But regardless of him, I feel like the Eric Bledsoe trade, you know, Rondo and Pat Bev are good defensively, and Rondo can move the ball, but they're not going to, you know, they're not going to score you any points. Eric Bledsoe can at least give you. 10 15 off the bench like at least give you that so i feel like you know they got rid of the extra pieces and settled down for what they wanted yeah and i think you're right like he might start actually this year because there's no Kawhi and they don't have like a you know they need to fill the starting lineup somehow so he might start this year but like come next season when you have reggie jackson paul george Kawhi potentially like Marcus Morris or whoever else is in the starting lineup. You have Eric Bledsoe off the bench. That's not bad. Like mm -hmm. a lot of, mm -hmm. he gets criticized for being like a terrible starting point guard, but like, Hey, I mean, as a six man, that's not, there's definitely worse players to have as your six man. So that's what I'm saying. Yeah. And yeah, again, very talented team. Just got to learn how to stay healthy. But I think, it's going to be tough for them to win a championship. But again, I think, again, next year is really their chance. But that being said, now I can move over to the Eastern Conference. A team in the East made some news or had some had a big splash and at the end of free agency, I guess. That being the Boston Celtics. And I think we talked about this last week as a possibility for this player, that being Dennis Schroeder going to the Celtics on a one-year deal, 5.9 million. You know, he's he's been criticized for turning down a contract extension with the Lakers, who, who could have paid him roughly about $80 million over four years. So a lot of people are, like, you know, disappointed in this guy for doing something that stupid. <laughs> I could have had a, you know... Could have could could have had an opportunity to make more money and on a better team, you know, competing for a championship. But do you guys think this is a good landing spot for Dennis Schroeder, the Celtics? 
all things considered? You know, actually, yeah, I do. Because they need a point guard. They need a, they need a point guard. And they got him on a steal. They got him for a steal. You know, if I think it's better for the Celtics than it is for Dennis Schroeder because he's kind of getting clowned for turning down that deal. And then signed for this where I guarantee he could have went to, you know, some Buns team who needs a point guard and could have got himself probably close to 20 mil a year. He could have just went to any old team. If that's what it was about for him was getting money, could have went to any team and got that. But, you know, he's on a playoff team. He's going to be in the starting point guard role and it's only a one year deal. So who knows? He might go, he might put up 20 a game and get himself 25 mil a year next year. Yeah, I agree. And I believe I might've mentioned this last podcast, but I did think that Schroeder was, or the best option for the Celtics in terms of the point guard position was Schroeder. Um, and vice versa too. I think this is the best opportunity for Schroeder. Um, obviously he w- couldn't secure the bag. So um, signing a one-year deal where he can sort of prove what he's worth is probably the best thing for him. Um, I think, I feel like a lot of like recency bias, we talk about a lot, but I think that might even you know, stretch to the NBA teams. Um, obviously, he didn't have the best playoffs or playoff that we expected him to have. But he, I feel like he definitely is a better player than what he showed. And not all players are playoff performers. Like, not all players are going to take it up another level during the playoffs. But Like James Harden? Whatever. All right. I feel like... <laughs> I feel like him being on the Celtics, they are they're going to make the playoffs. And that just gives him another opportunity to prove, you know, what he can do with a different team. Um and like you said, Justin, they got him for a bargain. I think he signed for like five point nine mil. Um and just compared to two other players, Patty Mills, who I mean, obviously I like he just signed with the Brooklyn Nets. Um, he's making six mil a year, so that's even more than Shooter. And uh, Alex Caruso on the Bulls is making nine mil a year. So to get Shooter on a five million or five point nine million contract, I think that's a bargain. Um, we all knew that the Celtics needed another point guard besides uh, Peyton Pritchard. And yeah, I think I think after this season, if he performs well, he's going to have a lot of options to either secure the bag on a different team or maybe the Celtics will offer him another contract if he plays well and uh, everything will be all good. Before you go, Dory, just the thing that I thought was like the worst thing about this whole scenario for him is he was playing great all season for the Lakers. And then he turns down that contract and starts playing like crap. Like he was playing good and then turned the contract down and started playing like crap. So I don't know. I just feel for him. He, he, if he, you know, turned it down and then took it up a notch, he probably could have signed for more. And then, you know, he played himself. <laughs> played himself. No, you're, yeah. I mean, it's, it's tough for, for shooter for sure. Um, 
But in terms of going to the Celtics, like in terms of fit, I feel like it's a really good move for both sides. He He's probably like the best pure point guard on the roster now. But like, I personally think he would benefit from being their sixth man. Like, I know it makes sense to start next to Marcus Smart, but I feel like I would rather have him come off the bench and have the six or the, the Celtics start um, smart. And then like Josh Richardson, who they traded for or Aaron Naismith at the really? two. Really? I feel like that would just be a better situation because I think part of the reason why Schroeder kind of had a down year with the Lakers was because he was not necessarily like the primary option in his like unit. Obviously that was LeBron and like, you know, when you play with a dominant ball handler, like he's going to be playing with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. Like he's not going to be able to thrive the way he would as if he were their sixth man leading their second unit. Um, like what he was doing with the Thunder when they had SGA, Chris Paul, and him coming off the bench. Like it just worked. So I feel like he should – I feel like that's what how the Celtics should utilize him, although he's probably going to want to start because it's a – prove it year for him like you know taking a one-year deal means like i gotta show the whole league what i'm about but i don't know good good move for both teams i think boston can maintain financial flexibility moving forward and if he has a good season Schroeder, then maybe they just sign him to a longer contract outright next offseason or he can go to another team and make a bunch of money but I don't know. I mean, does it, how do you how do you think this impacts the Celtics like playoff chances? Because I don't, I don't think I was very high on them before this. Do you think it makes much of a difference now that he's on their team? I think so. I think it makes a difference because they didn't really have any guards. They had Marcus Smart and Josh Richardson, and that was really it. You know, obviously they have Brown and Tatum they don't really have any other scoring like, you know, just obviously you said, um, what's his face shooters, a good passer. He's, you know, he's probably the best pure point guard on the roster, but he's also a good scorer. Like he's, he's, he's crafty. So, you know, yeah, I think it helps. Yeah, I think it helps, but in the grand scheme of things, I don't think it's going to improve him to the point where we're going to see anything crazy out of them. Like I still oh, think yeah. they're, I still think that um, most likely they're going to be a first round exit. I think their ceiling is probably second round. So I don't, I think it does help, but I don't think it, it's anything like too drastic. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Nothing crazy, but a good signing for both, both sides, I think. Um, But that being said now, now that we kind of covered all the, the news that was, that was kind of, going around, swirling around this week. You can cover some actual NBA basketball action, some on-court action. And this is like the first time where we actually get to talk about the Summer League because I guess last week was kind of the start of Summer League. There weren't really any games going on. But we've had a whole week worth of games in Las Vegas this past week. And, you know, fans have gotten their first glimpse of some of these players, you know, some of the rookies – and then, you know, 
the second year players who have been uh, performing in the summer league as well. They've been showing out, but um, in terms of, you know, I guess players doesn't necessarily have to be rookies. Who have you guys been the most impressed with in the summer league thus far? You can go Tob. Okay. Um, I actually chose two players. So I'll start off with the first one. Um, Davion Mitchell, who kind of has grown on me a little bit. Um, now I got, I got a chance to watch him play in college just a little bit. Um, but watching him in the summer league, he's like, he's a defensive dog. And I saw him giving um, James Booknight, he was giving him the business on defense. I feel like he can have, like, I'm not, I'm not saying he's as good of a defender as Drew Holiday, but I feel like he can have like a similar impact as Drew Holiday on the defensive side. Uh, he can score a little bit, although I think last game he only had like four points. Uh, the game before that, I think he had like 23 or something. So um, I think he just he's he can do more like defensively and also um, stuff that doesn't show up on the on the stat sheet, um, sort of like off the ball stuff. I think he could be a really good player in this league. Um, and the second one, it's probably no surprise. It's obviously Cam Thomas. He's he's been balling out. He's been balling out for the Nets. Um, in four games, he scored 19, 22, 31, and just earlier today he scored 36. Uh, obviously, he's getting better every game. Uh, we seen the game winner he hit against the Wizards, not only hitting the game tying three, but the game winning three in double overtime. Um, tonight against the Spurs, he hit a huge three with 37 seconds left, uh, finished, iced the game with, with like four free throws. And, um, I mean, he's honestly been a better defender than I thought he would be. Although this is summer league. So like, obviously these aren't all NBA players. Um, he's confident. He wants the big shots. And he he doesn't get too high or too low. I I've been really really impressed with him so far. Um. All right, all right. I see you, Cam Thomas. <laughs> uh, I got I got a couple players. Two of them I'll just go over quick. Don't really have anything to say. Uh, one is Bull Bull Jory. The guy's finally getting some action and he's playing well, so that's good for him. Um and. Leangelo Ball, baby. Leangelo yes, Ball is he's making highlights. Every shot he puts up is a highlight. But um, I saw a report earlier today. The Hornets are very interested in bringing him on the team, whether it be you know G League or actual full NBA roster spot. They're really interested in bringing him in, so that's good for him. But the two players that I want to talk about are two of my New York Knicks, baby. <laughs> Obi Toppin and Emmanuel IQ are five and six in scoring, respectively. Uh, Obi Toppin is putting up 23 points per game, and IQ is putting up 21.8. The only knock I have on them is specifically Emmanuel Quickly is the shooting is looking a little sus. 
Emmanuel Quickly is shooting 38 from the field and 25% from three. Obi Toppin, on the other hand, is putting up 46% and 35 and a half from three, which is better than I thought because his shooting last season was looking whack. But um, yeah, my next baby, even the other three guys, uh, I don't know how to say it. Sims, Jer- Jericho Sims, however you say that. Yeah. Him, uh, Miles McBride, and the other guy. Brian. They're all balling. Told you. Tried to tell you. <laughs> yeah, you did. But, um, well, I'll, I guess I'll give my opinions on what everyone else said. Davion Mitchell, as you mentioned, Tobe, like he was drafted, I feel like, and a lot of people questioned it him going to the Kings in particular because they just drafted Tyrese Halliburton because they have uh, De'Aaron Fox. Like they didn't necessarily need another guard, but I feel like the thing with him and what I've seen in the summer league, at least is that like, he's just willing to do whatever it takes to, to help a team win. Like if he needs to just only play defense and focus on defense, he'll do that. If, if they ask him to score and get a bucket, he'll do that. If they need him to, you know, get ever, everyone else involved and facilitate an offense. I want, to, I, I, just, I want to mention one thing really quickly. He probably – he has a really nice nickname. Uh, his nickname is Off Night. Off Night. Yeah, so that's that's just one I want to mention. Off Night because I think that was the nickname he got in college because every time an opponent was matched up with Davion, they would have an off night. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, he just, like, he's – he. He recognizes what a team needs and fills the void, which is, you know, that doesn't necessarily mean he's like, he's probably not going to be the best player in this draft, but I think that that's a good quality to have. And like a player that you want on your team, who's just like selfless and is willing to do whatever, whatever a team needs to do to win. And again, it might not be the best fit on the Kings, but I think he's going to be solid. Um, And then you said Cameron Thomas, like, he just looks – what is he, like 19 years old, I think? For Come someone on. that young, like, he just looks like he's been in the league for multiple years. Like, he just – he has such a seasoned game offensively to the point where it's just like, damn, he's going to be able to get buckets immediately in the NBA. And the fact that he went to the freaking Nets and he's going to learn from – arguably three of the best scores in the whole league like to in you know continue to develop as that part of his game is is a crazy situation to start an nba career so it really pisses me off that toby all year long was cam thomas cam thomas cam thomas and then they freaking draft the guy what are we talking hey, about the knicks had two opportunities to draft him and they just, they didn't so 2016 i don't know if that's necessarily what the knicks needed though i feel yeah, like sure. I feel like who they drafted would made more sense then but i'm always going to hold that over your head justin if he turns out to be like super nice yeah we won't have to worry about that though it's okay <laughs> and then justin you said um who did you say before your knicks bull bull and langelo ball oh yeah bull bull i mean i don't know i just i don't really know what to make a bull bull like he's obviously a very interesting player, because given the size and skill set. But like, you're you're playing behind the best center in the NBA. Like, you're not going to be able to, 
you're not you're not surpassing Jokic on the depth chart. So, uh, I mean, I want them. I want the Nuggets to to unleash Bull Bull, but I don't. I don't think it's gonna happen. I just. I don't know. I, I don't know where he plays. Like what position he even would suit him best. It's weird. Well, do you have any backup bigs? Who are your backups? Uh, well, they obviously they have like Aaron Gordon. You know, I guess that's like the their four. Um, I know we have Zeke Naji, who they drafted, who they actually drafted, uh, um, last year, who's also playing in the summer league. We got Jeff Green in this off season, who's probably going to be a big contributor, and then Jamichael Green. Porter Jr. can play the four. But like, yeah. no, forget all those old ass. Forget those clowns. Put in bowl, bowl, and get him. Get that guy some minutes. I don't know. I I, I don't know. <laughs> I feel like they should just trade him to a team that's willing to play him. I feel like that would be fun. Yeah, we'll do that. Like, I'm I'm not like I'm willing to just be like, hey, if he becomes great on another team, I, I don't even care. Like at this point, I just I, I just don't see a world where he'll be able to play on the Nuggets. But and then your Knicks, Justin. I mean. I think the most impressive thing I've seen from Emmanuel quickly is like his ability now as a point guard. Cause that's what he's playing basically point guard for the Knicks. Mm-hmm. Like they're starting point guard in the summer league. He's handling the ball a lot more. And I feel like that's huge because even though they probably don't need him to, now that you have Kemba, you have Derek Rose, obviously you have Evan Fournier don't necessarily need him to be like a primary ball handler, but it's good to have, you know? Yeah. He's putting up uh, eight assists per game, I think, in the summer league. Yeah, so, like, that part of his game is definitely improving, which is awesome. And he's still an incredible shot maker, despite, you know, the inefficient percentages. Like, I feel like that's just a product of him taking more shots because he's the best player in the team and he knows that. (laughs) But come the NBA season when he's getting more open looks, he'll probably be all right. If I had to pick players, I would just say the Rockets summer league team, in particular Jalen Green, Alperen Sengun, and KJ Martin. Those three have been very, very fun to watch. Green is pretty obvious because he's, you know, top two pick. He he looks, I mean, I would be surprised if he leads the rookies in scoring this year. Uh very, very confident, especially in their game against the Pistons when he was playing against Cade Cunningham. Like, it looked like he was, like, taking it to him more often than not. Like, he he definitely has a chip on his shoulder. Uh, and he just has, like, the best mixture of talent and opportunity in this year's class to, like, be great, I feel like, because they're going to ask a lot of him in year one. And then Sengun, who I think was drafted, like, 16th by the Rockets, is – a 19-year-old big man from Turkey who won the MVP in the Turkish League as an 18-year-old. He's like, a, he's like a backup – or he's a, he's a back, back-to-the-basket center, which is obviously pretty rare in today's game. But, I mean, he looks really, really polished for someone that's 18 years old. Like, his footwork is, is very, very good. He's, he's a pretty, like, heady passer from the post. And defensively, like, he's not incredible, but 
he's always in the right position, it feels like. He just seems like a really smart basketball player. And that's that's pretty crazy considering he's only 19. So, like, you have to imagine he's only going to get better. And then K.J. Martin, who was obviously there last season for the Rockets, I just like his game. He kind of reminds me of, like, Bruce Brown, Toby, because he's, like, a smaller guy, but he plays a lot bigger than he is. Like, he's only 6'6", but he plays like he's, like, 6'11". He's, like, tremendous athlete, obviously the, the son of, of Kenyon Martin. So he's obviously got the, the genes to be, to be great in the NBA. But, yeah, those three have been, I think, the most impressive in my eyes from what I've seen at least. So, Jory, can you, can you please tell Toby that his name is, in fact, K.J. Martin? Like, that's what people call him by? Why did do you not? Because well, no, I referred to no. him as KJ Martin, and he was like, "Who is that?" And I was like, "Kenyon Martin Jr." And he was like, "Nobody calls him KJ." I just always, I just always knew him as Kenyon Martin Jr. Like that. Anytime I see a highlight of that guy, that's all they're screaming. I've never heard KJ Martin. <laughs> I'm pretty sure if you go like on the NBA rosters like official NBA.com rosters, it's listed as KJ Martin. Yeah. I, I mean, I was probably being slow, but <laughs> I know I do. I do like his game a lot. What I was saying was I, I agree with you about Jalen green. Like he, I feel like he definitely can win a rookie of the year this year. I feel like it's probably 50, 50 shot. I mean, at this point, who knows? Like it's, at the end of the day, it's still summer league. But what I've seen from him and what he did last year in the G League, like he, he's, I feel like he can lead the rookies in scoring and, you know, win rookie of the year. I think he was, I think he was speaking facts when he said if he went to college, the whole draft and everything would have looked a lot different. I mean, not too much different. He would have just been one and Cade Cunningham would have two, but. I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know if the I agree with that. About it is that he's like, you guys are going to regret not drafting me. And it's like one team. Yeah. Dude. All right. Like, he, there's, I don't know. I just yeah, think it's funny. Yeah. Like, you got drafted second. Like, exactly. You got drafted second overall. I don't know. I mean, if I was him, I'd be pissed. If I thought I was the best player. And I didn't wasn't the number one pick. I'd be a little salty. I'd be like, I mean, I'd you be know, cool. I don't want to go I'm, to Detroit. No offense. I'm gonna but... hook this guy, uh, Cade Cunningham, every time I see him. If I was him, but yeah, that is facts. That we Detroit, Detroit is not what you want. Probably a better situation anyway, because isn't he friends with Kevin Porter Jr. Right? Um, didn't they like play on the same team or something? He's friends with know. Josh Christopher. Oh, that's what it yeah. is. True, but that that duo, him and KPJ, that could be lethal if if it works out correctly. Not to mention Josh Christopher is another another guy that I really like. Um, I'm excited for for Houston. I think they got a really good young core. Yeah, I've been it's been fun watching them. Although I think he's now out of the summer league with a hamstring injury, Jalen Green. So we probably won't see any more of him. But you know, that is that. Also, um, Sharif Cooper. Justin was talking about him a couple episodes ago, but he's been playing really good too. Yeah. 
It's a lot of, you know, it's tough to even narrow down like one or two players because I've just been impressed by a lot of players, honestly. True. A lot of really good summer league guys this year. Um, but yeah. Sir, uh, that's pretty much it. Is there anything else you guys want to mention before we sign off? Um, somebody needs to sign IT. Somebody needs to sign Isaiah Thomas. He's too good to be playing in these random leagues and dropping like 90 points. He, There's definitely a team out there that could use uh, a bench spark plug who's going to give them buckets, and that's that's IT. So I feel like he, he needs another shot, either whether it's a 10-day contract, whatever. But that's it. Um, I think this is the greatest draft class of all time. Oh my gosh. Really? <laughs> oh my God. No, I don't know. These, I've, I've been, I don't know how to go about this, but the young talent that's been coming into this league, it's ridiculous. Like some of these kids are getting drafted and they're better than some of these NBA players have been their whole careers. Like, I mean, that is just, you know, players are better than others, but like, it seems like the first 20 picks in the draft are all going to be like starting on the teams that they got drafted to. I mean, I think, yeah, I think this draft class was one of the better ones that we've seen lately. Um, Very early. It's still early, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just, I like, I like hyping up the young guys. Makes me feel like they're going to be better than they actually will. (laughs) Yeah, um, we'll see. It's it's a, it has the potential to be great, just because of the star power and the potential, you know, great role players that could come with this draft. There's a lot of them, so. It's only a matter of time. I'm excited for this season. It's going to be a fun one. Finally, uh, a sense of normalcy back in the NBA after like two years where it wasn't, it didn't really feel like it was real, but it's going to be a good one. Well, uh, I don't Magic know what we're going to talk about next. <laughs> right. <laughs> I don't know what we're going to talk about next week, but. We'll probably get a good amount of news in the NBA. Yeah, we'll figure it out. But until then, it's been another episode of the Full Court Report. We'll see you next week. From myself, Jory Mickens, and my two co-hosts, Justin Sadovi and Chris Tobias, thank you so much for listening to that episode of the Full Court Report NBA show. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Full C Report, on Instagram at the.fullcourt.report, Like and comment on this video and subscribe so you never miss a minute of action.